1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Into the fourth and final hour for a Wednesday. John Grayson here with you. You You ever been driving around, you know, doing what you do, maybe out on a road trip somewhere, going to a place that you're not all that familiar with, and you see a sign... And you read it and you say to yourself, did I read that right? Is that really the name of this place? reason I ask is this. A story crossed the desk a little while ago. Oh, we do have some updates to give you here in a minute, by the way. But a um, story crossed the desk a little while ago. And, and it comes to us again out of the CBC. Canada, for some reason, is giving us a bunch of news today about a little kitty cat named Coco. Coco the kitty cat, don't you know? Crawled up a utility pole. Cats crawl up poles you walked up a utility by somehow he got up there and he was on top of the utility pole. His owner came out, saw the kitty cat up there and said, oh no, I'm going to have to be a, cl- a part of a cliche here and call the fire department. <laughs> so they did. Alice Reed, the owner of the three-year-old cat noticed a dog running around her yard and she got a call from her husband asking if Coco was around. After looking around the house, she realized that Coco was outside and had, oh, this is what they do, scurried to the top of the utility pole to seek safety. Coco began began crying out for help. They tried using a ladder to get closer and coax him down, but nothing worked. So they finally called, they didn't call the, the fire department, they called Newfoundland Power, which eventually sent a worker up the pole to retrieve the cat. Except it didn't all go to plan because once the utility worker got close enough to the cat to get it down off the utility pole, the cat leaped for it, <laughs> it said to itself, no, I'm not going down with you. Coco took matters into his own paws and hurled himself off the pole, likely landing in a nearby bush. Uh, he's fine, by the way. Coco was recovered and is on his way back home, enjoying sleep and treats in perfect health, although Ms. Reed says he uh, likely used one of his nine lives in the incident. Oh, isn't that cute? But, I mean, as, as weird a story as that is, it's even weirder where this happened. We mentioned this was Canada. It was in a town in Newfoundland, and I swear I'm not making this up with all due respect to Dave Barry. Dave Barry. It was in the town of Dildo, Newfoundland. C- can I ask a silly question here? Um, what were they thinking <laughs> when, when, when they decided to name that town? I was like, okay, uh, show of hands. Anybody got a name for this place? Uh, yeah, you there in the back. Uh, you want us to call it What? Does anybody else got a better idea? Literally anyone. Can anybody name this town something that isn't Dildo Newfoundland?
3: No? Okay. Uh, Well, I I guess we're going to have to go with it. I wonder (laughs) if the whole town meeting started giggling like we are. Yeah, I know, right? And then they were just forced to do it. Well, here's the really funny part is that uh, in the Florida Keys, and you
2: can look this up on a map, there is one of the Florida Keys is called Dildo Key. Now, it's it's not a big, you know, populated place. Uh, I don't even know if there's anything, anybody who lives. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody on the text line said, you know, that that town has a really good vibe. Yeah, uh, I'll bet it does. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anything on Dildo Key because there's a bunch of little islands out there that are uninhabited and, you know, they're just little tiny. They're too small to do anything with. So uh, Dildo Key may very well be one of those. But yeah, I I don't know that I've ever seen one that's quite that funny. But sometimes, I think I've mentioned a couple of times, driving through the town of Axeman, Pennsylvania. That was always kind of a weird one. But Pennsylvania is famous for it anyway. Blue Ball is the name of a real town in Pennsylvania. Intercourse, Pennsylvania, of course, that one always gets a lot of play. And, uh, get it? <laughs> that was a pun, see? And uh, and then there's a town in in Pennsylvania called 84. And it's not written out like E-I-G-H-T-Y-F-O-U-R. It's the number 84. That's the name of the town. It's like, what should we call this? I, I don't know. 84? Yeah, sure. Why not? The only, I, th- I believe this is true. I believe it's the only town, incorporated town in the United States, whose name is a number. I'm not positive about that, but I, I'm pretty sure 84 Pennsylvania is alone in that. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there have got to be places where you look at the name of it and go, "What? Why? Who came up with that? Why did it end up there? And who voted in favor of that?" To Collins' point, it's like at the meeting, did they all go, "Oh yeah, dildo. This perfect. Yeah, let's call it that, and, and everybody be fine." Uh, <laughs> it was like, welcome to Sex Toy Labrador. But um, the the other ones that, I mean, there are so cool many. band name. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are also um, places that have incredibly violent names. And that one also gets me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a couple of these, yeah, we're getting them coming in on the text line now. Uranus, Missouri, Tightwad, Missouri. These are real places. Um <laughs> yeah, keep them coming. You guys are amusing me, uh, but yeah, the the violent names are the one the ones that get me, like Axeman. But there's another place that's also in Canada called Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump.
3: <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, look it up. I swear. Oh, I, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. i in fact, I believe that was actually in one of the Dave Barry books. But yeah, there's a place called Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump. And I just, you know, it's one of those things. You know, there's got to be a story. Behind that name. And yet, you you know, nobody seems to know what it is because, you know, I believe it's a park or something like that. Like a big national park or something called Head Smashed in Buffalo. So here's what
3: I'm reading. The Buffalo Jump was used uh, for over 5,000 years by the indigenous peoples of the plains to kill bison by driving them off the 11 meters, 36 feet high cliff. Oh, okay. Well, then see, now it makes perfect sense because they'd all be laying down at the bottom of the cliff with their heads smashed in. Well, it's Wikipedia, so trust uh, trust what you, <laughs> what you think here.
2: Yeah, really. It could mean anything. Uh, yeah, cut and shoot Texas. There's another one that just came in off the text line. Um, Hell, Michigan. Yeah. Peculiar Missouri. Yeah, Peculiar Missouri is kind of a strange one. It's It's an odd name. It's kind of peculiar. Oh, wait. <laughs> and Peculiar Missouri... I think I just won a contest. Peculiar Missouri is right up there with Normal Illinois. You know, it's like one is peculiar, and you got Normal on the other side, and both
3: names like Peculiar Missouri. There's nothing particularly peculiar about it. So I grew up in a town called Hillsboro. Yeah, and I did not realize, not that it's weird or anything, but I feel like that's more common than I thought it was. Cause okay, there's like a Hillsboro, Oregon. There's one in texas is there one in florida i think there's one in missouri but it's always either b-o-r-o yeah or it's b-o-r-o-u-g-h right uh hillsborough county yeah in florida where yeah. tampa is is b-r-o-u-g-h see i i grew up with the b-o-r-o right right but it, i didn't realize that there were so many not that i thought like oh we're the only one we're special you know what I, that that sort of thing but it, that one always just kind of piqued my interest a little bit yeah it, it seems more common than than I thought
2: well you know Missouri and Kansas famous for their hills yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they just take the flattest
2: parts of the country and yeah and name it Hills something so yeah if you've got another one to uh, lend in keep them coming oh there's a climax Missouri I didn't know that yeah thank you text line uh yes and I am familiar with the town in Austria in fact they were. Go- I can't even begin to tell you. It is the f word with an ing at the end of it. Yes, there is a town in Austria called that, and they had some kind of of uh, referendum not that long ago, like within the year, to change the name of the town because people kept stealing signs. You, you know, they'd get English speakers in there that. Somebody's being really loud outside uh, that would come and steal the signs because, isn't that funny? There's a sign that says effing <laughs> on it. Um, by the way, that's also funny because there's a town in Illinois called Effingham. In fact, I think there's one in Kansas too that's literally hysterical. It's like, really? You named the town an abbreviation of a swear word? Um, We'll get to the phones on this. If you want to jump in, and if you've got a good one for us, that especially if you do know the story, like if it was such a, a point of interest for you that you dug in and found out why the place was called that, I seriously want to know who named Dildo Newfoundland, or, or yeah, Dildo Newfoundland, and and why? <laughs> you know, was that the one big business in town before they got there? Cheryl is in peculiar, by the way, and wants to tell us what's so peculiar about it. Hello, Cheryl.
0: Hello. Um, I listen to you guys all the time, and I call in quite often. And um, uh, I live in Peculiar, and it's quite strange how that how it got its name. Have you? Do you guys know? No. Do tell. Um, I guess when they submitted to the the council way back in the late eighteen hundreds for to name the the town. Um, they were denied the original name, and it came back. You have to come up with something more peculiar than that. Uh-huh. So they circled the word peculiar and mailed it back, and that's how it got its name. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, see, I mean, it makes some sense. Has there ever been – oh, is that not it? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, there's a big there's a big scavenger hunt going on in the building right now. But, but Cheryl, thank oh, okay. you. Okay. Thanks very much. Yeah, uh, you, there's always got to be – you know, some kind of, of story behind all of this stuff. And you just never know what it is until, you know, you bother to ask. So if you've got another one for, oh, somebody just hit one. I remember the first time I ever heard of this town. There's a town in Tennessee called Bucksnort. It's, if I remember right, it's west of Nashville. It's like between Nashville and Memphis is where Bucksnort is. There's also a town in that same region called Bell Buckle. Not Belt Buckle, Bell Buckle. So where that one came from, again, somebody's got to know, but nobody bothered to ever tell us. We'll take a brief time out. We'll get more of your phone calls in. If you want to jump in, 913-586-7798. Plenty more to tell you about before the hour is up. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to revisit a conversation from a few years back. We lost an absolute legend. In fact, if you go onto the Twitters right now, RIP legend is trending. And it's all because of television producer Norman Lear who gave us The Jeffersons and All in the Family and Sanford and Son. And, I mean, every great television show, or just about every great television show, during the 1970s and the first half of the 1980s, and, and a lot in addition to that, by the way, since then, came to us out of the mind of Norman Lear. He died at age 101, and it just has, just so happens that a few years back, when he released his memoir, we had the chance to sit down and do a little talking with Norman Lear. So we'll give you that conversation at the bottom of the hour. In between now and then, it's all about you and me. Grab a line and do it to it. 913-586-7798. John Grayson here with you on 981 KMBZ. <laughs> <clears throat>
4: you
2: know, there are times when you look at the text line and you think, somebody's pulling my leg. Somebody's having me on. They want to see if they can get me to say something dumb on the air and then get a good giggle out of it because they just totally snagged me. Well, I thought that was what was going on when a texter texted in the name of a town in Kentucky. And I thought, come on. I mean, that, that is 100% a bridge too far. That's that's somebody trying to get me to say it out loud when it isn't even true. So I looked it up. I, you know what, uh, Colin? I'm going to give you the option as to whether I'm saying the name of this town because <laughs> it is the name of a real town, or at least it was in Kentucky. But I don't want to get either one uh, of us yeah, in trouble. How much do I need to hover over the <laughs> hover over the
3: button here?
2: I, uh, yeah. Hey, you you, you remember when uh, Mel Gibson got busted for being drunk and driving a car, and he started mouthing off to the cop and said all kinds of horrible things to her? Which time? Well, the the one that <laughs> yeah, right. The the one that kind of like really trashed his career for a period of time when he when he was making all the statements about how the Jews start all the wars in the world sure. and all that stuff. Okay. Um. There was another. There was a. There was a, a name that he called the female police officer. Yeah. Okay. It it started with the word sugar, <laughs> and and ended with a, a slang term for a part of her body. Well, it's that. That's the name of the town in Kentucky. Okay. Only it's singular. It's not a plural like he used it. It's it's just sugar blank Kentucky now. Here's here's what I don't understand is because not only did I look up to see, is that really the name of a town in Kentucky, which it was at one point. However, uh, it is not anymore. It's mostly been annexed into the nearby town of Florence, Kentucky. This is like if you look at the state of Kentucky, you know how it's kind of flat on the bottom and then Western Kentucky is kind of real skinny. And then it like bulges up as you go east at the very top of that bulge, which I guess is right near what? Uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, you know, that that kind of border, or Ohio, West Virginia, that kind of border area. So it's it's right there, um, and and they said they explained that it was because it was like a an industrial kind of you know mining town or something like that a zillion years ago when they when it first started to become a town, and all the guys would go to after work they would all go to the same local you know drugstore bar slash whatever. And they'd be there all evening long. And when they finally got home, their wives would joke about it and say, you know, there must be a sugar there. Which I don't know what that is. (laughs) And I mean, other than the obvious, it seems a weird thing for their wives to say. So now the story makes even less sense to me than it did when we started. Uh, A couple of others are coming in. Um... (laughs) <laughs> bird in hand Pennsylvania yeah that's a real place hooker Oklahoma yeah I believe that was named after the general right who uh the the reason why hookers are called hookers they, they were named after a, a, a civil war general maybe somebody will know the story uh beaver crossing Nebraska toad suck Arkansas has come in several times truth yeah and that's another one that's like what's is there a story behind that name toad, uh, toad suck Arkansas huh Uh, Death Valley, I mean, that's another kind of a weird one, although it makes sense considering the fact that that happens a lot there. Um, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. That was actually... Truth or Consequences didn't used to be called that. That town changed its name as part of a contest that the producers of the TV show back in the 50s, I guess, Uh, there was a TV show, a game show, called Truth or Consequences. And to publicize the show... They offered something, and I don't even remember what it was. I remember like half of the story, to any town in the country that would change its name to Truth or Consequences. So this little town in New Mexico decided, okay, yeah, we'll take that. And they they went ahead and changed their name. So the TV show has long since faded from memory. I don't think I, I've ever seen it in reruns like on the Game Show Network or anything like that. Truth or Consequences is long gone. But the town is still called that. All these years later, they just never bothered to change it back. <laughs> There's a town in Alaska called Chicken? <laughs> okay. Uh, Lick Skillet, Alabama. Probably not a good idea if the skillet is still hot. All right. if um, we got a story we can tell you quick enough before we get to the bottom of the hour? Probably. Um, let's take a real quick look through here. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um there's a there's another quick story out of Australia. We always make fun of Australia for being the country that wants to kill you, and everything there also wants to kill you. That was never more true than the story of a young man, an 18-year-old who is lucky to be alive. You think of all the things you could do with your time, one of the safest would be just, you know, going out on the beach and collecting shells. And that's what this young man was doing, just collecting seashells, just neat-looking shells he was going to show his niece, So he got a bunch of seashells and put them in his pocket, walked down the beach to where his niece was, pulled the seashells out of his pocket and got zapped, got bitten by a sea creature that was hiding among the seashells. It's a good thing he knew his stuff because what bit him was a blue ringed octopus which is, according to the article I have in front of me, one of the most venomous creatures in the world. Just collecting seashells on Shoalwater Beach in Perth, Australia, and pulled these things out of his pocket, saw it, it bit him, and then he dropped it, and it kind of skittered off. Thankfully, the girl that he was showing them the seashells to was not bitten by this. But yeah, he knew what it was. So he emergency immediately called emergency services. They took him off to the hospital. He, it took over six hours to stabilize him. That's how toxic this thing is. They said there's no antidote. All they can do is treat your symptoms. You know, the same stuff you, you would think of, vasoconstriction, high uh, temperature, all of that. So they treated his symptoms, and they said without that treatment, it can be fatal within a half an hour. But he's going to be okay. He's going to pull through all of this. And again, just lucky he knew what he was doing because this could have gone way worse than it did. Take a brief time out. a conversation with Norman Lear, who we lost at age 101. He died uh, late last night or early this morning. And so we're going to look back at his career. We've also got a little uh, piece to play about him from Mother Network, from ABC News that we'll get to here in just a minute as well. Stay with us as we take a look back at television history on 98.1 KMBZ.
5: Put the spring back into your step, and into your home too. Shop blinds.com right now and save up to forty five percent. Up to forty five percent off for a limited time at blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: That was a. That was a bit of. A- Pardon me. (laughs) Sorry, Sherry, didn't mean to step on you there. But yeah, that was part of the tribute and one of many, many tributes uh, from ABC News and others about the life of Norman Lear, which, as she said, ended at age 101 uh, earlier this week. And we had the opportunity many years ago, uh, I say many, about eight years ago, to have a conversation with him. He had released a memoir that was under the title and even this, uh, I get to experience. And it was a brilliant book. It talked not only about his time as a television producer, creating some of those shows that you just heard about, and so much more. Uh, it was pointed out to us a couple of times that Norman Lear had projects in the work, in the works now. There are things that will still have his fingerprints on them that we haven't even seen yet. He was still working at age 100 and 101. So a brilliantly creative mind But when we got to talk to him uh, about the book, and we were going to play that conversation for you now, we started off by talking about his life before he got into television and some things that even we were surprised to learn about his history, starting with the fact that he was a participant on a bomber in World War II.
6: I flew, uh, there was a sortie basis and a mission basis. I flew 52 missions because there were some missions we got credit for two because they were so long. Uh, and I dropped bombs. Uh, we drop bombs thirty-three times. And your family did not want you in the war. No, my mother <laughs> begged me. We, you know, if you were in college, you didn't have to go in. Yeah. Uh, you, so long as you remained in college. But uh, it was that time of life in America. We were so in love with the country. Uh, we, ha- I, speaking for myself, I had to be there.
4: Understood. And and very shortly thereafter, I mean, you were involved in show business even even during the war. But your big break came, and I love this story because you conned Danny Thomas. You, you, tell me a little bit about that. How that all came together.
6: Well, I uh, my partner Ed Simmons and I were uh, writing together, and uh, I knew I read in Variety that Danny Thomas had so and so was his agent. I called uh, at noon, hoping I, uh, he'd be out to lunch uh, so I could get his secretary. That's exactly what happened. And as quickly as I could, I told her I was a writer for the New York Times. I had just spent two days with Mr. Thomas. I'm at the airport. I'm flying back. I got to write the the, uh, the article on the plane and file it when I get, oh, they're calling my plane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she gave me the number under the stress of that, my stress. She gave me that number to call him. And uh, he picked up the phone. He got a big kick out of uh, the way I got his number. And he asked me to come right away. I said, I'll be there at 4 o'clock, just like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, 4 o'clock? I'm in Beverly Hills. You said, you're in Hollywood. You can be here in 10 minutes. Uh, But we hadn't written this thing yet.
4: (laughs) So you had nothing to sell him.
6: uh, I had a mind full of what I wanted to sell him. Uh anyway we wrote it, went there, he he uh did it the next night, the material we wrote he did it the very next night at Ciro's in uh Hollywood and the next morning an agent had called that that was in attendance that evening and and we were in New York in two days writing the Jack Haley. He was the tin man in uh Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. uh his Ford Star review that's beautiful and, you know as i as i tell you this it just seems to me for anybody that wants to get into television it is a there's more information about how to do it
4: yeah, just keep at it. Right. And I mean, you wrote for Tennessee, Ernie Ford over time in so many different shows. And you also you mentioned in the book the fact that with all these books that have been written about Frank Sinatra, you express some irritation that nobody ever interviewed you for any of those books. And you've got such tremendous experience with him. Tell me a little bit about Frank Sinatra, the man, what you remember the most about him.
6: Well, I remember the most when I saw him first. I was stationed. Uh, I flew out of Italy, out of Foggia, Italy. I was stationed there, and he was coming to do a, uh, a USO show. Now, we disliked him. We hated him. It's not uh, uh, too much to say because all we knew is we were stationed overseas. He wasn't in the Army because of uh, a an eardrum problem. And he was, uh, you know, our, our wives, our sweethearts, our girlfriends uh, were in love for, with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> so we were irritated by yeah, that. Yeah. And the day he appeared, the chefs, uh, the KP chefs, kitchen police gave us vegetables to throw at the stage. We were like $20,000, uh, $20,000, 20,000 men in an open field uh, with, with with vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> uh but the way it happened was Phil Silvers uh was on the show. he was Sergeant Bilko in a later show and uh great comedian and he pretended to pick on this guy who pretended who, uh Frank Sinatra who was pretending to be a stagehand and he was beating up on him uh and before he, Frank opened his mouth, the orchestra on tape played. Uh, we, our empathy was such that we we wanted Silver's off the stage, and we wanted that little skinny guy to, to do what he wanted. We wanted him to, you know, stop getting beaten on.
4: Mm-hmm. So and nobody that's ever thought the way did Frank the Sinatra
6: was introduced to a bevy of of G.I.s who uh, who didn't want to hear him, who didn't want to meet him, didn't want to see him.
4: <laughs> the book is, even this I get to experience. It's a brand new out from Norman Lear. And we get into All in the Family and all of the great television you produced. And, and one of the most poignant stories, I thought, was about Carol O'Connor and the way that y- you shot those shows like they were a play in front of a studio audience. And Carol O'Connor agonized over those scripts before each show, didn't he?
6: Yeah. Yes, we had a difficult time over scripts, but... Uh, But I, uh, you know, I had to adore the man that gave uh, life to that character. You know, I'd I'd written the script, but they were words on paper. Actors could have played them any different way. But there's nobody that could have done what Carol O'Connor did with it. So I knew that. He was grateful for the role. We had a lot of difficulty, but beneath it all it was a great deal of uh, respect
4: and the, the network executives your fights with them were legendary but there was one in particular i thought was hilarious the fight over the impotence episode of all in the family talk a little bit about what what that meant to the network execs
6: what, what do you mean the i'm sorry where where,
4: where, where mike was having uh, trouble
6: uh... oh! oh, oh. <laughs> that was an episode in which uh he was going to college he was facing some very tough exams and he was worried about graduating uh and uh, and he couldn't make love i mean it it, it affected him physically and uh, and gloria was concerned that he wasn't loving her anymore so basically it was a argument a story that had to do with uh with that word impotence and and like a lot of, a lot of other subjects we tackled which were by the way Real subjects that homes and families and couples and their kids face every day of the week. Uh, so we didn't think we were doing anything untoward except introducing material that hadn't been seen before. But it was family stuff. It was the stuff we were all living. So uh, it just seemed uh, silly. Uh, that's a word I think of a lot in the, in connection with this. Mm-hmm. It was silly to say you you shouldn't do that. It wasn't, it revealed no understanding of the American viewer. And uh, I I just couldn't give in to Silly because if I did once, we'd be ruled by it.
2: How about that? And he was absolutely right about that. Again, that our conversation from 2015 with legendary television producer Norman Lear, who we lost at age 101, a man who truly did change television, change the industry, change the way we watch, changed how we got to relate to TV. We mentioned earlier with Wink Starrett how that was the very first, and this was another one of those battles that he had with the network, by the way, with the network sensors that was the very first show to ever feature the sound of a toilet flushing because up till then on TV we weren't supposed to believe that human beings went to the bathroom, but we do, so yeah, normally are just absolutely brilliant on that front and good for him for not putting up with, as he called it, the silliness. And again, thanks to him for all of the great entertainment over the years and for that interview back in 2015, one of the moments that I, I remember well and really, truly enjoyed. A brilliant guy, so sad to see him go, but If you have not familiarized yourself or if you never had a chance to, go back and watch some of the shows that he created, like All in the Family, like Sanford and Son, like Good Times, like, I mean, any number of them. Um, Go and do that because it's just wonderful, wonderful work. And it really did. I mean, things looked very different from 1975 on than they did before that on TV. We'll do our best to wrap the show here in just a couple of minutes. Got a few more stories to uh, to uh, toss your direction. And then we'll hand off to Dana and Parks right after the 2 o'clock news. Stick with us. John Grayson here with you on a Wednesday on 98.1 KMBC. Just about 10 minutes to go in the program. John Grayson here with you. Uh, Jimmy Monticelli's vacation continues. She'll be back with us on the broadcast on Monday. And we'll get all kinds of stories about where she's been over the course of time. Um, between now and then, though, a couple of things to tell you about. The state of New Jersey is almost there with doing something right. And believe me, I'm as surprised as you are, right? So in New Jersey, what they're doing, there's a bill right now that's uh, coming in front of the New Jersey state legislature that would allow for, they're calling it click to cancel. And this is especially apropos right now because you know what's going to happen in January. Everybody in the world is going to hit New Year's resolution time, and they're going to join gyms. They're going to sign up for a year at the gym, and then the auto renewal is going to go on, and it's going to cost them a zillion dollars over time. What this bill would do would require companies offering online signups for gyms and health clubs to also allow and provide a way for consumers to go online to prevent automatic renewal. So you'd be able to, if you can sign up online, then they have to give you the ability to go online and cancel your gym membership. This has to happen. It's sad that this needs to be legislated. Believe me. I'm I'm, if you're going, Oh, do we really need the legislature to take care of it? Yeah, we do. (laughs) It's sad that we do. This should, this should just be the way of things, but we know That, I mean, the gyms wouldn't do it. They wouldn't make it this easy to join and this hard to quit if it didn't work. And I I also think there's probably something in this that if they make you quit in person, because that's what you have to do in a lot of the cases, you sign up online, fine. But if you're going to quit your gym membership, you have to go down and quit in person. And the reason they, they want you to do that is because they know a lot of people wouldn't do it. That they don't want to have to go to the gym and admit, yeah, I'm going to quit. I want want to cancel my membership. Because it's embarrassing. You're effectively admitting, yeah, I want to stay a schlub. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to be that for the rest of my life. So, uh, yeah, good for them. And I hope this, not only do I hope this succeeds in New Jersey, I hope that other states start to take note of this. and allow. It's not that I want you to quit going to the gym. I mean, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. I don't go to the gym now. But You know, so many people do this thinking this is going to be the year. This is the year I'll do it. I'll go to the gym every week and I'll sign up for this long-term contract that automatically renews and and this will never go south on me. And they know like 95% of the people who do that will never ever show up or they'll go once or they'll go for a week. So you end up paying for 52 weeks of gym membership for a week's worth of gym actual, you know, attendance. So good for them. We'll let you know if this one actually passes. Uh, you know, who knows when it gets to that? Uh, you know, when the legislature has to vote on this stuff, you never know how powerful the the gym lobby is going to be. But we'll keep an ear on it for you. A uh, quick story out of Jacksonville, Florida, where, yes, boy, it seems like it's actually been a little while since we've had somebody do this, outside of the guy that we talked about earlier, the the pilot who tried to bring down the Alaska Airlines plane. But you know that for the last year or two, it's been high times for people doing stupid things on airplanes. And yes, it's happened again. Breeze Airways Flight 717, according to news4jax.com in Jacksonville, Florida, Breeze Airways Flight 717 lifted off from Orlando headed for Providence, Rhode Island, had to make an emergency stop at Jacksonville International, which is why the Jacksonville TV station is reporting on this. So what was probably going to be about a a three-and-a-half-hour flight ended up landing about a half an hour later because there was a guy on board who was having an argument with his wife. One passenger said a man told the woman he was arguing with that he wanted to get off the plane. Apparently, he didn't know that's not how airplanes work. <laughs> it's not like the bus where you can just hit the little dinger and they'll stop at the next stop. No, no, no. You're on the plane until it lands, buddy. So he was arguing with her that he wanted to get off the plane. It had been in the air for about 45 minutes when the captain decided to divert the plane to Jacksonville around 5.30 p.m. because somebody reported that during the argument, one of them said the word bomb. Really? I mean, yeah, that'll get him to land the plane. And I guess he did find the one way that you can do that. Of course, he was taken off the plane in handcuffs. So I'm not so sure he's going to get to where he wanted to go. He said the people were talking about or claiming that the other person had a bomb during their fight. The people around them heard the word bomb, reported it to the airline, who, at that point, the airline has no choice. It's like when when you call the cops, even though you've called the cops and phoned in 19 phony reports before that, it doesn't make any difference. They can't ignore it. They have to respond. So if the word bomb is spoken on an airplane, they have to land right away. So they did Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI, don't you know, responded to the incident to ensure the safety of the crew and passengers. Uh, Dad and his daughter walked up to the back and said, we asked to get moved because somebody was talking about a bomb. Video footage, of course, was shared by a passenger, showed the man apologizing to the other passengers as he was being placed in cuffs. Yeah, here's an idea, buddy. Next time. If there is a next time, and I'm guessing it's going to be a long time before this guy is allowed on an airplane again. But next time, think about what you might have to apologize bef- uh, apologize for before you do it. And then don't do it. I know. Silly me, right? All the passengers who got off the plane were told they would be reimbursed if they got a hotel room. They didn't even keep the plane going. to, I mean, they didn't even, you know, take off again and, and finish their flight to, uh, to Providence. But as for the people who are arrested, according to News 4 Jax, they will likely face federal criminal charges and could be banned from flying on Breeze Airways. Could be? <laughs> I, look, if I'm the guy who runs Breeze Airways, these people are never getting on another one of my planes ever. So, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't think that it's going to be uh, very soon that they're going to be back flying anywhere. And one quick one. This is not necessarily a news story, but. Pizza Hut is doing something kind of cool. Yeah, I know. I'm as surprised as you are. Starting today, Pizza Hut is allowing you to order what they call a reverse delivery mat. And what this is, it's a doormat. Um, It kind of looks like a pizza box, even though it isn't one, but it has that look about it. And the idea is if if you order one of these things, and you don't have to pay for it. It comes for free that you order one, put it out in front of your house, and delivery drivers, not just Pizza Hut delivery drivers, but delivery drivers for like FedEx and a couple of other com- uh, companies, can scan a QR code and they'll get a $25 gift certificate from Pizza Hut. They're only doing 50 a day, though, so if you want one, go to PizzaHut.com and grab one now. Nice little thing to do for the holidays, and nice thing for Pizza Hut to do as well. Dana and Park's up next. Stick around. Plenty more entertainment on the way on 98.1 KMBZ.